This conversation is with a courageous local who started a fight over a year ago with a strong spirit and takes the hardest of hits with grace and humor. As an avid cyclist and raising three kids, Matthew's life changed in 2017 after meeting at the Cleveland Clinic. Without self-pity, Matthew explains the challenges of treatment and countless surgeries as he comes out of the valley to win the fight. My hope is Matthew's inspiration provides us a pause to reflect on our priorities as we listen to a real fight song. This is episode six. Do you have like a best memory as a little kid when you were little that you uh, remember that you think about? Okay. You just let it rip. Okay. All right. Well, let's do it. You're on. Oh, uh, best memory. Um, one of my best memories um, was my dad took my friend uh, Mark and I to the Pontiac Silverdome, which no longer exists. Uh, we raced in the BMX National Finals. And uh, we, uh, it was just so much fun being with him, of course. Uh, and at the hotel, everybody was riding their bikes around and riding their bikes and jumping in the pool. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, probably 11. Really? And then we went to this, I still remember the name for some reason, this pizza place called Pipes and Things. And when you went inside, it was like all these like big uh, cathedral pipe organ pipes that they had repurposed. And they played oh, all this cool. kind of piccolo music. And, nice. And they had, uh, they had chili pizza. Really? And I was like, Man, we got to try that. And it was unbelievable. At 11 years old, you're just pounding the oh, chili man, pizza. Oh, man, getting after it for sure. <laughs> and uh, then we raced at the Pontiac Silverdome the next day. And, uh, you know, I'm up against people from all over the country. And I think I got, four, I think I got fourth place wow. or something like that. But it was just, it was, it was just so much input. Because there was also on the other side of the st- stadium was a uh, motocross racing as well so it was just a really cool time i was just always remembered that very 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 fondly so did you go try to get pro or anything and no i never i never tried to get pro no but i raced all over northeast ohio oh really yeah what kind of bike did you have i had a gt oh wow yeah because i remember the haros the red lines oh sure Red Line was big. Horror was kind of it was it was just the kind of the beginning of the freestyle movement, yeah. if you will. But this is when classic BMX racing was still. So you did that all through high school. Uh, I did it for about five years, from about nine till fourteen. No, no kidding. Something like that, you know. And then you got mopeds. Mopeds were big around. Oh, so here. you went into the motor. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. then you got through high school. And you did high school here? I did high school. Yeah, I went to Solon High School. Oh, cool. Yep. And then after high school, what did you do? I went to college with Kent State. Nice. Uh, and after I graduated there, I went to Booth, Pittsburgh. What's and, in Booth, Pittsburgh? Uh, my oldest sister lives there. Okay. And I thought, you know, I just kind of need to get out of town, get sure. a fresh start kind of thing. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a job. Um, in IT nice for this company and I worked for them for you know 10 years 15 years really yeah and then how old were you then so that would be what I was probably 29 okay and you're still in Pittsburgh still in Pittsburgh and then I got transferred back to Cleveland and then my brother oldest brother asked me to join the uh, family company. Your family company? Yeah. So you, you got, you're pretty close with your family, your sister, your brother? Yeah. And your yeah, dad? There's, there's five of us. I gotcha. Yeah. So there's three boys and two girls. And they're all local? Uh, except for Moira. She lives in Pittsburgh still, but the others gotcha. are all local. Yeah. So everybody likes the Rust Belt kind of thing? Or uh, or just want to stay I, together? I traveled a lot. I gotcha. In my previous computer days. I mean... Uh, I don't think there's many states I haven't been to. I think Cleveland Midwest is the place. It's got everything. Hmm. People are super nice. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, I know it's not Canada, but. 
um, who, who do you think your biggest influence was growing up? Probably my dad. How come? He, uh, you know, he's kind of old, kind of old school. My parents are British. So they were born and raised there, and then my dad emigrated here in his early 20s. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, he was a good example. You know, work hard, um, be social, uh, get involved uh, in life, and uh, that kind of stuff. He was always a good dad. Yeah. And he lived here... The whole time? In... Well, we, we moved back and forth to England a couple of times. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah. So I lived in England till from, I think we left when I was about eight months old till I was about three. Oh, wow. Where'd you live? We lived in uh, just outside Manchester, a place oh, okay. called Glossop. Oh, cool. So you went back and forth to? Oh, yeah, for a couple of times. Cleveland to? To Manchester. Manchester. <laughs> yeah. That's a big jump. Yeah, it is. And we've got relatives all over. I've got relatives in Australia, England. Oh, no kidding. Ireland. Oh, wow. Well, my dad's, you know, my dad's lineage, his dad, his mom and dad were born in Ireland. Okay. So um, we've got quite a little, quite a little mix. Hence the uh, clover there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so your dad, so growing up, um, you're in Pittsburgh, then you come back <laughs> to Cleveland. <laughs> Pardon me. You come back to Cleveland. Yes. And then you started building a little family of your own? I, yeah, I lived in Lakewood for about a year, and then I bought a house here in Chagrin, actually just up the street. Oh, okay. And uh, I met my former spouse in Cleveland. Gotcha. And uh, we're married for about 12, 13 years. I had three amazing kids. Yeah. What? So what are your kids? You got three kids. What are your kids' names? Uh, Henry, who's 16. Phoebe, who's 14, and Oliver, who's 11. Do you have, um, what's your favorite memory of Henry? <sighs> All of them. <laughs> um, you... That's a great question. I mean, there's, there's just so many of them. So what was your favorite age? My Mine was always four for my kids. I love four. I'd say four, five, yeah. six. They just, you know, they start getting that personality. Yeah. And, uh. That's when they really kind of start being little people. Yeah. And Henry's, you know, I think all my kids are old souls. Yeah. But Henry's an old soul for sure. What, what, is, what do you mean by that? He, he's just very mature and empathetic. And he just kind of understands people. And he asks you questions and, you know, has the ability to see, you know, if things are going okay or not okay. He can recognize when people are struggling or whatever. For sure. And he's there to help. <coughs> Excuse me. What about the traits of your daughter? What What do you admire about those? <laughs> uh, Phoebe, she's awesome. She's very. Uh, she's very social. She doesn't have a fear bone in her body, which concerns me <laughs> a little bit. Um. So, but she's just very. Uh, She's so positive and she's always willing to try, you know, everything was a yes. Hmm. Uh, and she's, you know, daddy's little girl. And then the little one. Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. He is, Oliver's a little quieter. Surprisingly he, compared to the other two? Or? Uh, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would say surprisingly. He just seems so, you know, the more kids you have, the more you realize how different they are. Yeah. Because sometimes they're like, oh, the same parents, same brother and sister, you know, they're gonna be kind of alike. Yeah. But it's not the case. I mean, I look at my brothers and sisters and I, and we're all quite different. So it's interesting. So he's quiet, he's 11? He's 11. So he's he's going into fourth he's, grade? He's in fifth. Fifth grade. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And so he all, they all go to Chagrin? They all go to Chagrin, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so three kids, then you you got hit with what you're going through now. You want to elaborate a little bit about how this all happened? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Um, I, 
you know, I, I think the I'm going to paint with a wide brush, but I think a lot of guys kind of, uh, you know, not macho per se, but they we like to be. There's a denial factor. So about a year before I was diagnosed, I was having some symptoms. And do you want to know what those are? You could feel free. Okay. So I started having some bleeding from my backside. And uh, how long ago was this? So I was diagnosed in December 2017. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So about a year before that. So a year before you had the symptoms. Yeah. So I, um, I lost control of my waterworks a little bit. Sure. A couple times. So I was like, that's not normal. How old were you? 47. 47. Yeah. So it's 27. Gotcha. Yeah. So I said to my doctors, I called them and I said, you know, it got to the point where I was getting nervous. So he said, come on in. He did a battery or a blood test, every blood test ever, of course. And uh, they found that I had something called candidas, which is a like a yeast infection overgrowth in your intestinal tract. And this is before one of my Velisano rides. Oh. So... Um, he gave me this prescription. I forgot what this stuff was called, but I had to take it for a month, and it was to kill all that bacteria and stuff in my in my gut. So he did that, and the I did that. Sorry, and then the symptoms seemed to kind of go away. So I'm like, Phew. okay, yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> I. Um, did my ride for Velisano. And then about a month or so later, it came back with a vengeance. So I called him again. I said, you know, Dan, this isn't. Even after all those blood tests, that was his, just the one thing, kind of like take this. Yeah. He thought he wouldn't hear from you again kind of thing. Yeah. So I, he said, we got to get you in for a colonoscopy right away. Um, now, mind you, getting a, an appointment for a colonoscopy is tantamount to going to the dermatologist. I mean, it's so hard to get in there. Really? <clears throat> so I, so I go and get my, uh, go and get my test, and uh, <laughs> the uh, my mom took me, and I remember going into and I was nervous, for obvious reasons, um, because we have a family history of it. So I. Uh, Go in, you know, you pull those cubicle curtains close on the patient room, and I'm waiting, you know, waiting to get my colonoscopy. And uh, he said, now, see this spot on this curtain, see how they're, they're, they're ruffled? And I get, he goes, now, cancer can hide inside these ruffles, so sometimes we don't always find it. I'm like, kind of a bit of a quick start <laughs> in the conversation, but I said, okay. And... Uh, so it wheeled me into the room, and uh, I think I recall, because they give you twilight, if you like, which I liked. And he says, uh, he wasn't in there very long. He's like, oh, boy. And I'm like, that guy just say, oh, boy. So they fiddled around a little bit more, if you will. And we found this little spot. So I think at that time it was like a stage two, two or three, two to three. So he goes out and tell my, tells my mom, who subsequently freaks out. And then when I finally came to, he tells me, it's not a good day. So, um, so the first thing I had to do is I had to do <clears throat> radiation and chemotherapy side by side. So when he told you and your mom, did you go home? Oh, yeah. No, I went home. Yeah. Went home and then had another doctor's appointment. 
Um, and then they said, we got to get you into we gotta chemo. Get, we got to get you into a treatment program. Okay. So it had it, it was about a, a third of the way up. Um, and they uh, suggested the course of treatment to be radiation because they want to shrink it, try to kill it as much as possible. Yeah. And then um, the issue is, you know, if it grows into the wall surrounding it, it becomes a three. And then if it gets like into your lymph nodes and travels, it's a stage four. So it had started to just kind of grow into the wall. So it was, it was kind of between a two and a three. So they said, we're going to do radiation. We want to isolate it. So I had to do radiation and chemo at the same time, side by side for, I think, six weeks, I think. So can you compare it to what you went through ever before that in pain and, and like, um, um, obviously you didn't wipe out on a motorcycle and have to go get surgery or something like, is there anything? Well, I've wiped out before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, wiped, I've wiped out plenty. Um, can you compare, like, for folks that haven't gone through that? What, what, is there anything you can say that even somebody could sympathize, empathize? You know, the issue is kind of that you, there's no real, there's no real pain. And that's what's very difficult about uh, cancers in some respect, because it's not, you know, you can have kind of some outlying pain associated with surgeries and none of the kind of stuff, but in and of itself, it doesn't, like it didn't hurt, but the, you know, the treatments, like the radiation, it would make your lower region a little tender. Okay. Particularly when going to the bathroom. Are, were you lightheaded or how does, how does that work? Is it so just you dizzy? Get, you get on this, this machine. Yeah. And for me, I had to lay, <laughs> I had to lay face first and then they would pump up my, they would put a, 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 a cheese wedge shaped foam piece so my backside was facing up. And then what you do at the beginning is you actually go and you get fitted. So they take you in there, they drop your stuff, and they put tattoos oh. where they're going to aim. So yeah. one on my right hip, one on my left hip, and one at the very top of my uh, butt, if you will. That's the medical term. So they know where to aim the laser. So, you know, they'd zap you. So that whole area gets in, you know, but, you know, the skin around there got very, very tender uh, and really, really ouchy. And so, but like I said, I've been going to the bathroom, you know, one or two was no pleasure broke cruise. That's for sure. Like, and how long was this was trip? Like expelling glass. And this, how long did this last? About eight weeks. Eight weeks. Yeah. And so also, every night, every day. And also, it, it, it kind of took away your response time. Oh, so you are you can't just casually go to the bathroom when no. you wanted to. I mean, we'll be sitting here like this, and I'll be like, Whoosh. Gone. Yeah. I can't even say I got to go. I'm already gone. Yeah. Well, makes sense. Yeah. So that was eight weeks. And yeah. then did you sleep? Uh, sleep during cancer is tough. Um, because you get a lot of that in your mind. Yeah. Obviously. But I seem, I, I seem to sleep okay. But then I was also taking the chemo, which makes you feel uh, not very good. So you just like a flu feel or? I'm sorry? Does it feel like a flu or? Uh, I think other cancer patients would agree that you can't possibly describe what it's like mm-hmm. until you've had it. I mean, it's just a, it's an overall bad feeling. That was eight weeks. Yeah. Then, and then I had surgery. And then you had surgery. Then I had surgery to take it out. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and I had, really, I had started as rectal cancer. So what they did is they went in and they cut out my rectum, um, about 75% of it. And this was after eight weeks and then like right well, away? Or? No, no, no. In between. Good, good question. 
So after surgery and chemo, you had to wait at least a minimum of six weeks because chemo doesn't help in the healing process of skin because it's so strong, um, probably for other reasons as well. So they, uh, I had to wait, I think, another eight weeks to get scheduled to have surgery. So I had, so anyway, that time went by. And uh, were you starting to feel better, like physically better, sleeping better, or um, bathroom? You need to take, you need about seven to 10 days after your last chemo treatment to feel relatively normal. So, two so weeks. There's a bit of a washout there, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so then I had my surgery uh, first, by the way, to remove my rectum and then took about a foot and a half of sigmoid colon. What's a normal yeah. size? Is that two feet? It's about two feet. Okay. So, you know, about that much Left. rectum, about that much stuff. Uh, wow. Sigmoid colon. Because they want to make sure that it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Because it grows into things. Yeah. Um, the issue being, if you can avoid it, which you can't, um, once it gets into your, um, what's that, adrenal system, not adrenal system, what is it? Lymph uh, nodes? Lymph, once it gets into your lymph nodes, thank you. Um, it's a crazy long system. I don't pretend to know a lot about it, but yeah. I think it's a system that goes from your bottom to your top. So, um, post-op review, three of the 31 lymph nodes were positive for cancer. So, and he took most of those out. Um, but that stuff travels. So I, uh, again, had the surgery. They gave me an ileostomy. Um, and basically what they do to kind of get you re, to kind of get you replumbed, they take your colon and they reattach it during that first surgery to the rectum. And then once everything heals, they just reverse it and you can go to the bathroom like you used to. So... <clears throat> I uh, got an ileostomy, which is up by your ileum. It's either an ileostomy or a colostomy. Uh, and basically what they do is they go in and they cut a, a hole about two inches around, and then they pull out your colon, and then they pull it out, and then they flip it upside then they fl it's, it's called a loop ileostomy. So they pull it out and they actually put a peg in there at the beginning. And then they cut it and then they fold it back and they stitch it to your stomach. Wow. And so when you go to the bathroom, it goes into uh, this ostomy. So the ostomy's got a flange on it like this and it sticks to your skin and then there's a bag. Oh, cool. Yeah. So when you go to, a, when you go to the bathroom... It's just the bag works. It just goes in the bag, so, and then you change it. And, yeah. Dude, there's a million configurations. <laughs> uh, so, but it was supposed to be temporary. Uh. Um, supposed to be. And so that, you know, there I was. I was set to heal, blah, blah, blah. And then, so that was last spring. So from your diagnosis to last spring. Yeah. That was... Is over a year and some. Correct. So, so 52 weeks, 66 weeks or something. Correct. So um, I was finished, and then they wanted me to do a little bit more chemo. And then, so I started doing chemo again because I like it so much. <laughs> and they, I started getting sick. What you, what's sick? Um, I started getting jaundice. Oh, interesting. So what happened is my main biliary duct, which is about yay big, around my liver was getting clogged. Um, we believe it was because of the chemo. So one of the GI guys who timed in, uh, Dr. Michael Pollack, who's a rock star in my eyes, um, Put a stent in there, 
and cleaned it out, and it was better. But I ended up missing uh, Velasano that year, Velasano 5, which was last year, yeah. So in an effort to make good, I had my own Velasano right here in Chagrin. Nice. So I got about, I ended up getting a lot more people than I thought. I ended up getting about almost almost 40 people to ride with me, to ride the miles that I said that I was going to do, um, because I was in the hospital there on the first one. So we rode, came up with our own 50-mile, actually it was 55, hello, uh, <laughs> trek to just keep on That's working awesome. on cancer research. Where'd you go? We went to, we basically went out to like Hiram yep. and around Burton and then, yep. ba- and then back. Is that like... Um... All, all you guys were on the on the road. Oh yeah, so that would have been a cool sight to see. That yeah, it was, it was Peloton. Yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty. It's actually pretty hilly. People don't realize how hilly it is. Oh, hey, there. I know. Hey, um, I, I'm a fan of Old Mill. I wanted to do. Originally, I thought I might do the original course. Yeah. From downtown where we started before, but it's just too much traffic and yeah, just yeah. too much maintenance. Yeah. So we did it out here. That's um, great. And uh, this was in uh, late spring. This is late summer. Late summer. Uh, this might have been August, September. Gotcha. I don't remember the exact date at the moment. So, so we did that. Uh, I raised a bunch of money for cancer research. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because cancer is uh, not a fan. No. Not a fan. So, um, I went to. Um, you know, everything was fine for a while. And then um, in October, I was having a surgery to reverse everything. So they wanted to take some more. They wanted to take out my gallbladder because I was still having these uh, jaundice issues. And the GI guy's like, you know, I can see some debris in there and it's always getting full. I think the, the gallbladder is causing issues. So I... Uh, got scheduled for surgery, and I said to my uh, colorectal guy, I said, you do, I said, can you do two at the same time? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I'm already oh. here. Well, I'm already here. You know, I'm all dressed up and ready to go. And, uh, you know, I don't want to have two surgeries if I can have one. So he said, well, I'm not really authorized to do that. I said, well, I'd rather get someone who, who's authorized. He said, all right, he goes, I'll, I'll find somebody. So it ends up that the guy who took it out is now a friend of mine because my youngest Oliver's in the Boy Scouts and his kid's in the Boy Scouts. So I'm like, who's going to go first? And uh, he uh, goes, I don't know. I said, you guys better figure out. I said, I think that you should go first. So I think this is a little, I'm hoping it's a little divine intervention. So because he ended up going first. And this was, this surgery, you know, this was my expectation. I'm going to go in. I'm going to wake up. I'm not going to have a gallbladder. I'm going to miss you. Um, but uh, I'm not going to have an ileostomy anymore. I'll be back to going regular. So uh, I uh, go to surgery, and I wake up in the recovery in my room, and uh the uh, colorectal guy's like, uh, he just had a, he had a look on his face like, I'm like, that's not a happy face. And he said, well, he said when, when Dr. Banks went in there, they found that the cancer spread. So it had spread to my peritoneal cavity, which is the cavity between your belly button and your chest plate that kind of keeps all your... Muscle or muscles, all your uh, organs in place. And he said it's all over the place. This is when, when was this? Uh, October. October. October of 2018. So I was. So, how many surgeries had you done? Oh, I'm not sure. Let's count. Too many. Too many. So, then in October, he says, We got new trouble. We got new trouble. Um, <clears throat> what'd you do? What'd you say then? I didn't have a lot to say at that moment. I was like, 
Stupid one of those beep machines. Beep, 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 beep. That's what I said. I guess. Right? So I, uh, I had to find a way to, you know, this is now round two. So I had to find a way to uh, do something about it. So I talked to a buddy of mine, and he recommended I go see um, the surgeon, the only surgeon at this institution that uh, did this surgery. And so we went and met with him, and... Uh, he had just, not just started doing it, but there was someone who did it before him. He left, and now he was doing it. And, uh, you know, the long and short of it is, he said, you know, we'll try chemo. And if it shrinks it, we'll do this surgery called HIPEC. HIPEC stands for, I might not get it 100% right, but uh, hypo-intraperitoneal chemotherapy. So basically what they do is they cut you from your breastbone down to your pubic area and they kind of peel everything back. And then they go and they scrape and burn all the cancer out wherever they can find it. So uh, that was very unpleasant. It's like one of the most invasive surgeries that is, as far as I know. So, so when, when was this? Uh, well, I went and met with them. Oh, right away. I went and met with the surgeon. And... Uh, but he said, uh, you know, if it doesn't work. And I said, well, yeah, what if it doesn't work? And he said, well, what are we talking about longevity? He said, I'd probably give you 12 months. That was, now that was a bad day, you know. Were you alone? Was your mom with you? No, my sister, older sister went with me this time. And I was like, oh, you know, what are you doing someone tells you that you're you got 12 months to live. That's not cool. So I was pretty upset. And I called a friend of mine who was a, uh, was a uh, surgeon at this institution. And uh, I'm like, Andy, man, I just, I just got to handle a plate of crap. You know? And he said, well, let me suggest that you go somewhere else. So I ended up going to New York. So I went to New York. He got me an appointment with this guy three days later, which was fabulous. And he was like, I'm going to take care of you. And that's all I needed to know. Right? It's all about the attitude. You want that positivity if you can. You know, my back's up against the wall. So I uh, went and had surgery uh, in New York. Um, March 12th and had more chemo leading up to it because I had we had to try to shrink it so that they could they could operate um, so I had surgery March 12th and uh, instead of it being a five hour surgery it was an 11 hour surgery I mean I'm like the king of setbacks I, mean, I don't understand I don't know if I ran over a squirrel or something or pushed some old lady or something at some time, but man, I'm getting I'm getting punched. So I uh I get out of surgery and you know it was brutal. I had all kinds of complications. I went into AFib and I had uh just lots of issues. It was a tough one. So I finally get good enough, well enough, to go to leave the hospital. Now, upon their suggestion, they said, you know, we need you to stick around for a few weeks because there's a lot of complications, infections, mm -hmm. you know, you name it. So we had rented an apartment just up the street from the, from the hospital. And I was there one night. And I came home, or I woke up the next morning, and the visiting nurse came. And he's like, uh, you know, how you feeling? And I said, no. I said, I feel, you know, okay. But I was on all kinds of painkillers and all that kind of stuff, so couldn't have been feeling that bad. 
I said, but it's in my abdomen. It's a little bit, it feels sore. He goes, well, let's take a look. So I pulled up my shirt and my entire wound had degressed and pulled apart, which is bad. So he called over there and they immediately shuttled me back into emergency surgery. And then I spent the next eight, nine weeks on my back trying to recover from this surgery. At the hospital. At the hospital. Which, you know, those hospital beds are the worst. Especially Being, nine weeks. Uh, I, I lost uh, I lost 53 pounds. In nine weeks. All my muscle, everything was gone. As a matter of fact, when I got home, I could barely walk up the stairs. Absolutely terrible. So, um, and I have this big wound on the front of my abdomen. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to get better. You know, following the rules, I'm doing my exercises, I'm taking my meds, uh, trying to put weight back on. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a joint venture between Cleveland and New York institutions. And uh, I went to, um, I had to go back to the hospital about three, four weeks ago because I had, I couldn't breathe. And it was a Sunday morning. I remember the kids were over and I had to have Henry take the other two back to their moms. And, and my uh, girlfriend, Sarah, took me to Hillcrest. And it turns out, I don't know if something popped or whatever it was, but my entire left lung was filled with uh, fluid. And they proceeded to siphon out four liters of liquid. And he's like, man, this is crazy. I can't believe you even made it. So they took that all. So now I have, so they put it in a tube to drain us. And now I have what they call a plenix, plurex catheter in, installed in my side to drain out any excess fluid. Well, I haven't yielded much after that first couple of initial washes. So I'm hoping that this week they take it out. Yeah. Um, but during... Uh, this last visit, I had to go this past week because I had a really high fever. Uh, sorry, I had a fever of 103 and some change, which so I ended up having a uh, an infection in my uh, main bile duct. So I had an ERCP, which I can't remember what it stands for, but they basically flip you upside down and they go in with a scope through your mouth, esophagus, stomach into your liver and then they clean out this bile duct because it was it was all blocked up I was jaundice I was yellow the whole shooting match and um, they cleaned it all out and uh, that seemed to be a little bit better but then they said that when they took a CT that the disease was was on the move again so I've been kicked three times already in a row. So it's getting to be a little bit, uh, it's tough. Do you have a lot of um, support, like with the clinic or UH or? Uh, with the clinic. Yeah, they've been, they've been very, very good. Very good. And I've got, uh, my support group here is excellent. I'm very, very fortunate. You got people coming over and... Oh, yeah. I have a... Um, excuse me. I have a uh, home care nurse, Kathy. She's fabulous. But uh, no, just when I think I've won a small victory, it just keeps coming up and biting me in the ass. So you're on round three? This is my th third, yeah. So how long does this last? Well, so I started. I started chemo. Um, last Thursday. So, yeah, so not two days ago, but the, the, the Thursday before. So I got, I don't remember, I got four or five days in, and then this happened. So they took me off of it. Chemo really messes with you, with your system. 
I can't imagine. It's terrible stuff. So your um your inner dialogue in your head yeah. for the last two years. I mean, is there a, like um you went from pissed to frightened to is there is there a path that you could see like not even a question. It's 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 a grieving process. Is what it is. You know, I was mad, and then I was sad. I found myself being a little mad this week, um, just in my own space. Um, it's frustrating. Because, you know, I hate to say this is an advantage, but uh, I've always been a, a believer that things happen for a reason. And there's things in life that you can control, um, and there's things that you can't. Um, now, you know, take this as you will. I'm kind of a man of faith a little bit. And, uh, you know, in my mind, God's got a plan for me. I don't know what it is, and I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care for the uh, current plan as it goes. Um <clears throat> But I'm going to accept that what's going on is is laid up. And I can't do a darn thing about it. So I'm not, I'm just going to kind of put it in his hands and let him deal with it. And I'm just going to try to do the best that I can to get through this. I mean, it's, it's hard. Are you an inspiration to a lot of people and your support group? And I don't know. I'm just a regular old guy. Whether I am or not, I'm not sure. Have you, um, did you think you were tougher than you really were? Like, you're like, man, I'm pretty tough. Like, I can, I, I can was, take this, and then now I can take this, and now. I was surprised. Um, I've always kind of regarded myself a little bit, and this is a term I heard recently, as a bit of a silent warrior. You know, I'm not very flamboyant, and I'm like, hey, look at me, and blah, blah. You know, I just, it's like riding. You know, that's why I love to ride. It's just, you get out there and you just, you grind it. And, you know, like I said, I've done this Velasano event for four years. And uh, I remember the first year, just blistering rain for 110 miles. And it's like, it's kind of, it's very kind of secluded and lonely out there on the road. Not lonely, but it's. You know, you ride. It's it's your own place of solace. And, um, you know, you, get, you see some of these hills. I'm like, are you kidding me? But but I'm, I'm kind of like, let's go. And so I just keep pushing. I'm, I'm a little competitive when it comes to that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to let it stop me until it stops me. I mean, I know you're obviously an inspiration to your kids, and you're showing what strength and courage looks like. I mean, your spirit is... Well, I'm trying to do it with some dignity, too. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're you're passing the mark on that. I mean, <laughs> I mean you still have your sense of humor, which oh, is fantastic. You know, you got to have a sense of humor, man. Yeah. That's one of my things. Um. But yeah, you're um, you're hitting it hard, and you're taking it with grace. Um, what do you what do you besides the obvious? What do you worry about? Like, about my kids. That's it. I mean, it's not the only thing, but I want to be here. That's it. Um... You know, and it's, it's so far, it's, <clears throat> pardon me, 
you know, the, the good thing is there, <clears throat> pardon me, the good thing there hasn't been uh, that much pain that keeps me from doing stuff, but it's just, you know, it's everywhere I turn, I get these little setbacks. <clears throat> and I want to be able to, you know, I just want to be able to do some stuff that I used to do. You know, I want to go ride my bike. I want to play a game of golf. I want to go for a nice walk. I mean, walking up the stairs, um, I get tired. And I have to, like, sit on the bed for a few minutes to catch my breath. That's not, that's not who I am. You know, I used to run half marathons and bike races and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Were you fast? Mm. Well, the Olympic Committee hasn't called yet, but <laughs> I'm still waiting for that call. <laughs> you know, I did it for my own. Yeah. Because I could, or I thought I could, and I did. You know, back to what you were saying before, you, sometimes we don't realize how tough we are until we have to be tough. Uh, and it's, remember I ran my first half marathon in Nashville. I was supposed to go with some people and didn't end up working out and I ended up being the only one. They're all, you're still going? I'm like, yeah, I don't need you to, need you to run with me, right? So I went and I didn't know a soul, of course. Yeah. And uh, I did it. And we and it, and the race finished in Nash or the uh, Titans Stadium. Oh, cool. Kendall, I felt, I felt amazing. After I crossed that line, I'll be thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> right? You've been there. And you get, obviously, you run in high kicks and oh, you're looking yeah. sharp, perfect form. Absolutely. <laughs> not about mile 10, probably not as. Mile, you know, I can, I can see it right now. Right in my mind, it was uh, coming under an underpass, and it started to slope up, and it was an elevation, and it said mile 10. And mile 10, there was this big wall, and it was like, uh, boom. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was brutal. Mile 10 is always brutal. On mile the 10, wall, hello. <laughs> yep. So the, what is the... Where do you ride around here when you were riding strong? When I ride, I ride out towards like Middlefield and Hiram and all those roads are a lot, they're a lot quieter. Yeah. You, you don't ride like after uh, work and stuff. You're like in the morning. Oh, no, I ride after work. Really? Oh, sure. You do Chagrin Road on in the morning? Uh, River I would, Road, Chagrin River? I would do Chagrin River Road, yeah. Yeah. That's little, spooky. I had a little loop out there. Yeah. I think uh, a little undersure, uh, not undersure, but what? Try it again. Um, I'm not I'm quite sure why this becomes such an intolerance to bikers. Now, I'm going to be fair, because I like to be fair if I can. Um, you know, there's a state rule three feet. Three feet, yeah. Three feet to the left. And, you know, we're just share. We just want to get a ride in, man. Want to get some exercise, and that's my therapy. Oh yeah, right. Um, but I also know that there are some riders who don't ride properly. Yeah. You got to follow the rules. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and I know there's a couple of groups that asked me to ride with them, and they ride two by two. I'm like, that's uh, not safe. Not, not doing Grand it. River. Not doing it. But um, you get out to Burton. You were you were riding down Bell. Would you ride out Bell? Yeah, I'd go up Bell. That's a pretty ride. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so nice out there. It's uh, quiet. And then you go to Forty Four. Go to Forty Four, and, and then up to Burton. Yeah. And you get coffee or whatever up there. Yes, there's a little coffee place right on the north side. There's a guy I follow. I don't I don't know his name, but I I follow him on Strava, and he averages about four hundred miles a week. Cheese and rice. Wow. I can. He last year, wait for it, 22,000. That's crazy. 22,000 miles. Wow. On uh, on his bike. Yeah. And that's that's round year, 
or year round. I, I you know, he was he gets seventy miles in in some of the worst weather, and he must have like amazing tires and stuff. But you know, I thought I was a pretty intense rider. Yeah. And then when I see guys like that, you know, they're averaging seventy a day. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you get you get kind of uh, just exhausted. Um, you have to find that time. So, anything else you want to say? Mm. I would say I would say this to anybody who is battling cancer. Um It's easy to say stay strong, but it's not always easy to stay strong. Um, Keep in touch with yourself. Be your own advocate. And always know that there is hope. And I know, believe me, I've I've been been in some dark places in the last year or so. Um, But there's a lot of good places out there, and there's a lot of good help. Um... You know, these things don't happen because we're bad people or we did something wrong. Um, it just happens. And acceptance is the key. Accept it, hand it off, and move on. And if you have an opportunity that you're feeling good enough to do something, go do it. That's it. Well, you're the face of strength, my friend, and um, I am grateful that you came in today. And Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. You bet. All right, let me get that. Uh.